It's that time again for the assault on your ears. We call Lore Dorks, a Star Trek Lore Dex podcast. I'm Aaron, and with me as always is Stavros. Tonight on our screens is episode six of season four. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Didn't we do episode six last time? Ah, son of a bitch. Gotta rub it in, don't you? We said six. (sighs) This time it is really six. Yeah, this time it's actually six, unlike last time time where I started a little early. Anyways... (laughs) It is. Should we talk about what we're drinking? Well, it's, I, <laughs> it's parts Ferengi's Heart Place, which I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. And then, uh, you it's know, that's. Of yeah, five. that is what's on our screen. And in our cups yeah. is. It's something of your creation. This is really exciting. Yeah. You've made a Sluggo Cola, and uh, the components of this is uh, syrup, club soda, gin, melon liqueur, and lime juice. And uh, I, I've been trying it a little bit here. It's tasty, but it's very thick. Well, and that's what I'm, I'm going for, because that. that's how they describe it. It's it's supposed to be, um, like, slimy is how they describe it in the show. It's slimy and bubbly. Yeah. And so that's what I was going for. I'm not sure the club yeah. soda would cut, came through enough, but... Okay. You know, when I was when I was theorycrafting this and trying different... Conco- different uh, bits and pieces and getting the right mixture down uh this is what i came up with was the syrup club soda gin melon liqueur and lime juice but at the last minute when we went to mix i replaced my club soda and gin with champagne and that's it uh. that is the winner it's syrup champagne melon liqueur and lime juice it is bubbly it is the consistency of snot it is flavorful it is juicy it is oh it's good it's it's fantastic i could drink this it is tasty i'm unsure about the texture i don't, I don't know if i want i want to be drinking slime i, I don't know stuck I, I think i could cup i think i could probably drink this a cup at a time yeah you, you can't drink a lot of this i i'm gonna be <laughs> sick tonight i know this oh dear well in that case we better start talking about the episode quickly let's talk about this episode parth Ferengi's heart place so in this episode Captain Freeman and Admiral Vassery are tasked with getting Gradenagus Rom to sign an application for Ferenginar's Federation membership, but Rom's tactics catch Vassery unprepared. On Ferenginar, Mariner is dissatisfied with a life of getting everything she wants, and Boimler gets addicted to trash television Ferengi style. And, as expected, Rutherford and Tendi go undercover as newlyweds, and end up completely validating Tenderford. Oh, uh, what? My, my addition to that. Yeah, no, I, that is not what happened in this episode. <laughs> it's close enough. I think they completely devalidated, invalidated, invalidated. That's the word I'm looking for. Invalidated Tenderford. This episode <laughs> proved it's never going to happen. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We're going to talk about that for sure. But I want let's talk about the title. Um, you actually recognize this. It is a reference to Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which Fantastic is a early 2000s, 2000s British, comedy. British comedy. Um, it's a number of places online. I think you can even watch it on YouTube of all places. And I've been dying ever since this was announced. I was like, what is this episode going to be about? Is it going to be, yeah. you know, the whole, the whole show is this send up of like 70s and 80s. Um, there were, there was this trend of supernatural soaps, right? That was, uh, okay. Dark Shadows, uh, remake came out in that era. I really can't think of more, but I, I know that they were on. I remember watching them with my mother when I was little. And 
they're all terrible. They're god awful, bad acting, <laughs> uh, bad stories, and that's that's what Garth Marenghi's Dark Place was a setup of. And I'm just racking my brain to try and get the connection to this episode. And there's it's just yeah. it's just a name. I, I can't get anything like it's just the name. It's just Marenghi is like Marenghi. Yeah, I just I don't know. The only thing I can think of is maybe maybe it's a reference to um Rutherford and Tendy's bad acting when they're pretending to be a couple. <laughs> um yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I tried watching a little YouTube clip of it and I could not make it through. It was uh Oh, it's it awful. It is it, yeah, it's yeah, it's awful. Um <laughs> there there's moments that are almost painfully cringeworthy in it. And that's <laughs> But it's it's is that what they're going for though? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's just awful. Um, it is yeah, also like late night comedy stuff. Yes, it is also the spawn of one of the greatest musical moments in television history. Uh, one track yeah. lover. If you ever get a chance, check it out on YouTube. Highly recommend yeah. it. It's so bad. It's awful. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's a fun a fun little throw in there. It's exciting. Yeah, they've been doing a lot of weird references this season to yeah. non Star Trek stuff. Yeah, they really have. They've probably been doing it every season, and we just have only started noticing now. I just didn't notice. We're like idiots. <laughs> when you really hit it, you over the head with it. Then yes, you really it. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this episode was directed by Brandon Williams. He is the new director this season. Uh, he did in the Cradle of Exelon as well. So, uh, was, I think yeah. promoted up to the director role. I think so. Uh, yeah. Cool. Nice to see. Nice to see Brandon coming in for another one. Yeah, and it was a good episode too. Highly recommend both yeah. of these episodes. So seems yeah. to know what he's doing. I guess. Let's jump into the cold open. We get to see a Ferengi ship. Ah, Ferengi lower deckers. Ferengi episode. Yeah. Interesting thing. Uh, let's talk about the ship because the ship yeah, shows up first. It's from Enterprise. This is man. a new ship. No, it's from I don't Enterprise. Think so it it is the Ferengi. The silhouette is similar. The, yeah, yeah, that is Ulysses true. Ulysses' ship. I, I, yeah. it, is, it is very, very similar to the one from yeah, Enterprise. It's, it's the same general shape. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not sure whether that's just a, you know, stylistic deviation or whether it's like the, you know, like they did with the Valdor when they introduced it or yeah, whether yeah, it's, yeah. you know, just something else. Who knows? I don't know. I was very jazzed to see it. Yeah, it's it's very cool. I mean, you look at it, there's... There's glowy bits on there. If you look at the wings, the like the wings look like the side of a decora kind of. There's just like a bunch of new stuff is kind of jammed in the front there. Yeah. And the shape is different than that the Enterprise uh, era Ferengi ship. Maybe I just didn't look closely enough, which is weird because I'm usually yeah, all right. about the ships. You you like clothes, I like ships, but sometimes yeah. I notice the clothes and sometimes you notice the ships. <laughs> that's right. And that's why we're best friends. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. We need to start up a uh, a clothes and ships podcast. Just that's all we talk about. That sounds awful. Truly awful. <laughs> oh boy! All right. So yes, we do see some lower deckers on the Ferengi ship. You know what? Start immediately. I noticed the Ferengi eyes. Um, I know they've done this in previous episodes, but the um, this is the first. I mean, this is a Ferengi episode, so you know there are a lot of like kind of cat eyes to them it's an interesting stylistic choice on the part of uh of the, the you know the art team yeah and they're not even like truly cat eyes they're just very narrow eyes yeah, yeah yeah and i don't think that they did that in the regular series anywhere did they i don't think so i, I looked up a picture of quark and uh, oh yeah quark definitely but i'm wondering if maybe like originally they were supposed to have that or something uh perhaps yeah who knows that i recall at least. yeah but anyway, they're they're cataloging, wep- cataloging weapons is what they're doing. 
They even pull out a little portable Genesis device. I thought that was a very fun homage to, you know, Star Trek 2. But I'm wondering, like, are, are, are do they just exist now? Like, anytime they need to terraform a dead planet, they just make a little mini Genesis device? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't even know. Like, the real question is, <laughs> why would you make something that is simultaneously a... <laughs> yeah, it's like a WMD yeah. grand scale. Why would you make it so small and unsecured, right? <laughs> oh my god. You think- I love how they took the like little control panel that's like a separate thing in Wrath of Khan and they yeah. just integrated it onto the chassis. It was pretty neat. Yeah, no, the design of it was definitely very cool. But I mean it's not just that. Like the whole scene is just like ridiculous of like their their scheming and how they don't want to get rid of the weapons and all that nonsense. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I love how one of them says, you know, Rom you know, some people think Rom is the next Lons. And of course we have to look out who the heck Lons is. And apparently this is a Ferengi character. From the 1997 source book called Legends of the Ferengi, yes. this guy was a singer and nose flute performer. Gross. In case you wanted to know. Yeah, apparently those exist. But it's interesting. They're, they're starting to pull more and more stuff from Beta Canon, it feels like. They do it twice in this episode. They represent... They They reference a rule of acquisition that I don't think actually was ever set on screen. I think it only came from that... Do you remember that book... That they put out that was supposed to be the rules yeah. of acquisition. Yeah, yes. the the what is it? Fine print leads to whatever big yeah. mistakes or something. Yeah, right. that that was never from canon, as far as I know. I think that was only in that that random book. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I love it. If, if it makes sense, why not use it? That's my yeah. strat, my my uh, approach. Hundred percent. But of course, the mysterious alien vessel attacks. And, you know, in this time, this episode, they have the Ferengular Decker go, Mwahaha, it's about time. And you know what? In the last episode where the Romulan ship gets attacked, one of the Romulan lower deckers, like, makes, like, a knowing face as they, as, like, Red Alert is called in the exit of the scene. And I didn't really think of it, of anything of it at the time. But now I'm thinking, wait, are there, is someone on the lower decks crew on all of these ships in on each of the, these attacks? So, I mean, that just leads to the question of who on the Cerritos is in on this thing. Because you know that's where this is going. Yeah, I have a theory about that, and we're going to get to that later in the discussion. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting theory. But yeah, it's so do you think you agree then? Like, someone is in on these attacks every single time? I think you might be right, which kind of lends credence to, you know, our whole it's not some mystery attacker, but some known entity. We yeah, just gotta figure yeah. out who it is. Do you think the weapons being on the Ferengi ship have anything to do with it? Like, are they? I mean, we kind of guess that people are getting like uploaded or something, but is the Genesis device the Ooh. disruptors? You know, that could be it. You know, maybe you're onto something there, but you're not. I know you're wrong because we're always <laughs> wrong when we're guessing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, um, let's move on to. I know there's like A, B, and C plots here, but uh, th- let's call this first one the negotiation plot. This is the one with Captain Freeman, Admiral Vassery, Ram, and Lita. And speaking of Ram, Lita, hooray, we get some additional cameos here. Yeah! Uh, Grodenchek and Chase Masterson replacing their roles. Yes, masterful performance. They were they were great. I, A++. I really love seeing people who we have seen in live action do cartoon versions of themselves. 
Um, especially, uh, you know, when they brought back Riker, he did the same thing. He's very animated, right? And yeah. Rom is the same way, and I feel like Lita is played that way much more, too. She's more subdued than the other two, but yeah, like, definitely, they, they, they really yuck it up to a certain extent, which is great. Totally. <laughs> I love that they, uh, the Rom and Lita characters have a Hyperion with them, and that's like the, the, you know, the humanoid with the kind of wrinkly face. Yeah. Um, it's a woman in this case. Um, and I think just gotta be a homage to Zex Superion. Oh yeah. Um, funny. I looked up the name. My, 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 Ardu was his name. Yeah. I think it's like, my Hardu. yeah. Mahardu. Was that right? Mahardu. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to go Mahardu. back and watch. Um, I just remember yeah. like, Oh no, it's my Hardu. Uh, I'd have to go back and watch. Yeah. I just remember yeah. like, uh, the guy who played Zach, right. His interactions with Mayhardu were always fantastic. They're really good, yeah. And there's like, there's a casual, like, cause like, the guy who played Mayhardu even was very stone faced. Like, that's what they were going for. But there were moments where he yeah. just had this subtle sense of exasperation from him, which was always <laughs> yeah. fantastic. <sighs> it was fun. It was fun to have yeah. that little, uh, little nod in there. Um, I love this whole plot is about getting Ferenginar to just, fill out the application for Federation membership. It's not about anything else. It's just about applying and that's it. Yes. <laughs> that's all the negotiation, all of this whole blue, all about just sending in the application. Oh my god. And I love the whole uh, what is it? Um, d- dumb cop uh, reasonable cop routine? Dumb cop reasonable cop? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. So terrible. Yeah. Oh man! Uh, well, let's talk about the people representing um, the Federation here. Admiral Vassery. I think the last time we saw him was Sensors. He's known to mispronounce things. Yeah, it's interesting that they brought him back of all people for this thing. What was he doing in that episode? In the Sensors episode, do you remember? I think they were just turning in a mission. I think that's it. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, because Sensors have picked up unusual activity in the, right at the end. Oh yeah, I was a little sad there was no pronunciation jokes from him this time. It was, uh, you know, he's dumb for another reason. Yeah, he has you know? no idea how to negotiate. Definitely a missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like the censors has definitely like affected all of my Star Trek viewing. So I was hoping for another like you know IP changing experience from Admiral Mastery, but did not happen. I, I don't think there's anything okay. like pronunciation wise that's so long running as that. Is there? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think, I so. think so. Did you notice when he makes the Moab 4 joke? It's it's weird when like a, a character in universe makes a specific reference and then another character in universe just doesn't get it cuz usually they either get it or they just kind of let the dialogue go. Yes. In this case, Fastery makes the joke and then Captain Freeman's like, "Huh?" You know what the funny thing it's about that is? Um so the implication of that is cuz at the end of that episode, the what is it, the Masterpiece Society? So, yeah, the whole plot was that these people leaving this perfect society, the society would collapse because they're all like these perfect pieces of the perfect society, which says to me that your society isn't that perfect. You know, you build a house and you get a crack in one brick and the whole thing collapses. That seems like a poorly built house. That is not the perfect house. (laughs) But anyways, I digress. There's an implication there, though, that their society did uh, go on, because apparently it's still, you know, a masterpiece on the inside, whereas the outside is a horrible wasteland. Why would you build your perfect society on a horrible wasteland? 
Ah, it just makes no goddamn sense. I think isn't the episode like there's this dome where inside it's really nice and outside it's really crappy. Yeah, I just like that in that episode. Well, and because that was the whole thing with like their society was supposed to be this perfect enclosed space where everybody is the right. master of whatever field they are, yeah. and then one of them goes to the Enterprise and they're like, "Holy shit! I was thought I was the greatest engineer ever, but like I would have never come up with antimatter reactors or deflector dishes." And it's all like, right. yeah, because you live in a fucking dome. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> that episode. It's just such a weird experience to have like another character just be like, what? It's very unlike Lower Decks. It's a, it's a new joke for them. No, because that happen- that's happened in the past where somebody has made a reference. And they're like, who is that? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, but anyway, Vasari kind of shows he's incompetent. And uh, Captain Freeman kind of comes in and saves the day. She's, yeah! Uh, her, she's been, last couple episodes, she's been showing she's very competent at certain things. You know, I'm getting the feeling that she's a terrible captain, but a great negotiator. <laughs> that makes complete sense. I mean, yeah, she's really good at that negotiation. She did a great job with the packlets, or she tried. Oh, well, I mean, you know, you, know? You, you can't you can't negotiate with stupid. No matter how good your <laughs> uh, your results are, they're always going to blow up their own damn planet. <laughs> I think that's true. But uh, Captain Freeman saves the day, so yeah. uh, that was fun. I mean, I like that little the little plot. I think my favorite part of that is when she she takes the statue of Admiral Vassery and like puts it in her Starfleet issue trash can in her ready room, which apparently now is canon. <laughs> trash can. With the yeah. Well, I mean. Wait, the trash can is not canon? I thought you were saying... The, trash, the Starfleet trash can. I thought you were saying that the trash can with the golden idol in it is now canon. And I'm all like, stop, Russ, it's a trash can. They're going to throw it out eventually. That's so why you put it in the trash. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. Oh, man. You know, makes sense, right? <laughs> you know, I will say, though, that uh, I do love... Um, Freeman's resolution to that whole thing. I hope that somewhere down the line in the canon somebody remembers this and it is like a Ferengi ambassador that convinces Quonos to join the Federation. That would be amazing. <laughs> it would be awesome. And then like the Federation is just indebted. It's probably after the burn. I mean, oh my god, that would be fantastic though. If, like the Ferengi <laughs> finally does it and he's like, yes, yeah, well, this is the greatest achievement for Ferenginar ever and they're like whoa 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 are you forgetting this guy or that guy or this guy or this guy and he goes we're gonna be rich and they're like what do you mean we're gonna be rich and he's all like oh you don't remember this treaty from 400 years ago where you now owe us the <laughs> gross national yeah. product of the entire federation for the next 10 years <laughs> sadly they trashed that uh, version of the application <laughs> version of the application it goes back to sign the standard one so. ah sad <laughs> <laughs> would have been fun though yes uh, that was all, that was really fun. I love the I love the you know, the guest stars all did a really great job. So it was fun. Very simple, very short plot, very well put together. Yeah. Um, I love yeah. Rom's obsession with baseball, which kind of goes back. <laughs> Why is that? You know, he had... he's on the one baseball team in one episode, and now he's all about baseball. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just like uh, what is his name, Max Grodenshaggy? Maybe a like just a deference to him or a reference to him. Because he was a semi-pro baseball player. Oh. And that was actually... I didn't know. There's supposedly some story, and this may be apocryphal, but supposedly during the uh, tr- filming of, uh, what is it, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite, like, mm-hmm. it was a problem because he was supposed to be, like, completely incompetent and a doofus. 
and he kept not being able to be a doofus on the field. Like he was supposed to strike out <laughs> and just do like wild and crazy yeah. swings, and he couldn't do it. Just like no matter how crazy he would get, he would always hit the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but interesting thing about Rom, like I don't know if you noticed this, but all throughout DS Nine, he seemed like obsessed with human culture. Because, like, there was that. Oh, yeah, root beer and all that. The root beer, the, you know, which, man of taste right there. Root beer, a number one beverage, kids. Drink it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was the whole Vic Fontaine's Hollow Sweet program. Yeah, like, I think that maybe he rubbed off on Nog a little. And maybe that's, yeah, it's just, it's good writing. I'm going to, I'm going to say that, even sure. if it wasn't intentional. I love it. Either way, I remember how you sliced it. That was a good uh, little plot there. Yes. But of course, then we have to get to the <laughs> the other three plots. And they all start out the same way with the original World War IV. No Talin in this episode. Yeah, I noticed that. And I didn't even think about it until afterwards because you're so used to Talin yeah. not being there. Yeah, we're back to the original World War IV. Uh, but of course, Ransom comes in to offer them an assignment. And I love how Mariner is playing around with a self-sealing stem bolt. Have we seen that one in this show before? Is this the first time? I, you I know, like it might be the first I time. I feel like that they've at least referenced stem bolts. Because I think I remember us talking about, like, why aren't they using self-stealing stem bolts? And it's like, oh, because yeah. sealing the stem bolts is the fun part of using stem bolts or whatever. I don't know. We are dumb. But anyways, <laughs> you know, this is how I know Ransom is a man of taste and character. Uh-huh. He makes the same jokes as us. <laughs> the lieutenant's junior grade? Yes. The correct way to say it. He finally gets there at the yeah. end of the fourth time he tries it. See, the thing is, <laughs> even when we know how to properly pluralize things, we still do it wrong just for the laughs. And... <laughs> You think he's doing it? For I believe. Time? I believe that. A little jokey uh, joke yeah, for the lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, I believe he's uh, just yucking it up there a little. Which just you know, <laughs> another reason why he's the uh, best uh, commanding officer there is, and he needs to get his own ship. <laughs> you know, he, Ransom's kind of becoming like a little more buddy buddy with the crew. You can see it happen in this scene, and even uh, later when they're wrapping up. Well, I mean, he's to be more friends now. Fair, you know, how well did he know them in the beginning? They're, they're growing oh, yeah, together. Now he's more... You know? And you know yeah. what, though? There's tons of hints all throughout the series that he always thought Boimler was good, right? There's the time he, like, tells the Ensign to stick with Boimler because Boimler knows his stuff. He gives Boimler special assignments that Boimler likes. Yeah, he always seemed to like Boimler. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he does yeah. think Boimler. He really likes that that lieutenant, he, I believe he even says in this episode. Yeah. While he's chugging a sl- Sluggo Cola. Oh, my God. I love, though, that at the end, he's got the Sluggo Colas. And he's got two of them. So, like... He's got two, yeah. Yeah. Here's the real question. Like, our mixed drink here of our fake Sluggo Cola, it's bad for you kids. Don't drink a lot of this. It's like, you know, 50% sugar, 25% alcohol, and, like, 25% bubbly. It's bad. Don't. Don't drink a lot of it. So what is real Sluggo Cola made of? I am betting it is made of actual slugs, knowing Frank. Slugs. It's got to. Got to be. Got to be. Uh, anyway, so he gives the assignments to the lieutenants, and we're going to get into what each one think is, thinks of this uh, in, in a little bit as we talk about each one. But they end up going down to the planet, and uh, I love the introduction of Ferenginar here. It's it's so it's such an homage to how it originally appeared when we've seen Frankenar in episodes past. Yeah. But it embellishes the living heck out of it. 
oh my god, turns turns it up to eleven, and they make yeah. it as gaudy and seedy as possible. It is great. <laughs> All the neon signs. So here's all the ones I caught. You can tell me if you want to fill in any of the gaps here. But I think my favorite one is all you can at pound dollar sign. Yeah, the the all you can curse word. Like what is what is all you can <laughs> what? Is it? All you can. And there's <laughs> only like there's only like one or two curse words that work in there, and both of them make that a really really gross reference. <laughs> And it's weird because all the rest of them are about gambling. So, like, what? They're not all about gambling. There's another one that's not oh. about gambling, and it's just as gross. <laughs> are you talking about the Akira Pour Um? No, dude, that's just the, a perfume mad, dude. What? That's not about gambling. Yeah, but it's also... Oh, that is true. That's not about gambling. Okay, there's another one that's not about gambling. The Sluggo Cola? Okay, there's another one that's not about gambling. You know, I'm just going to troll you at this point. Do you mean the Loeb's Lodge? You know what, Stavros? There's gambling at the Loeb's Lodge, so shut your face holes. <laughs> Which one are you talking about, for God's sake? The Maximum talk- Umax Rope <laughs> What is that? You get the Umox in a dungeon? Or like... Is that what it is? Is it like a, you know, BDSM club, but for Umox? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, you, oh, you dress up man. in leather, and then you get Umox. Oh, I didn't even go that route. And now I just have terrible visions in my mind, Stavros. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, I'm going to be, uh, you know, my my Slogo Cola is out, and I was going to make another, but no, it's going to be Bleach, because that is the only way... <laughs> To deal with the things you have placed in my mind. Oh, <laughs> hey, you were the one all fixated on talking about it. So here we are. I feel like we both we both did equal shares on getting us to this point. So. You know what? I just I made it funny. You made it disturbing. <laughs> I'm glad to help. Can we move on to something a little more savory now? <laughs> yeah, let's see. What other signs? Uh, oh, there's one that says "Now Playing Latinum Lost," which. Sounds like a movie name, like a Hollow Novel name, perhaps? Oh, see, I thought it was Maximum Paying Latinum Slots. I don't think that's what it's saying. Uh, uh, you man. know how to read? You know what? I was raised in the rural Midwest, so that may be a question <laughs> Does that, mean no? that needs to be asked. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, go to less sensitive topics. <laughs> I love how every uh, place outside in Ferenginar is raining. It's always raining, and uh, no one cares about umbrellas. I guess Ferengi just culturally have not have never developed the. You know, though the thing is, the truth about umbrellas is they are terrible for rain. Like how we ever decided that is what you should wear. <laughs> What's the alternative? Do you think the hood? Like everyone should be wearing hoods. Well, I mean, they're all wearing the rain slickers. Rain slickers are better than umbrellas. I mean, this is just, right. this is a fact. Yeah. Well, I don't see anyone in those either. They're all just kind of hanging out outside. Just Well, I mean, not the Ferengi, because, you know, the Ferengi, oh, yeah. they're, they're used to it. Like, they evolved on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the Starfleet guys do wear the, wear the, ra- out the there, rain so slickers, yes. Yeah. I love how in front of the Loeb's Lodge... They the, all these shuttles are just kind of parked out there, like it's a shuttle parking lot, kind of. Did you notice that? Yeah, I thought that was pretty like cool. A dozen shuttles. Yeah, yeah it's kind of neat. Like, where all where are all these shuttles parked? I guess no, not everyone just beams everywhere. They they got to put the shuttle somewhere. Well, and I would There's imagine no like large, beaming technology isn't quite as prolific everywhere else as it is in the Federation. 
you know, yeah. once economics don't matter, I would imagine like super high tech things are probably less common. Yeah. Or rather when yeah. economics do matter. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> God, you're right. It is yeah. now playing Latinum Lost. Jesus, how did I get that so wrong? <laughs> how drunk were you when you watched this? Movie? I was sober, and that's worrying. <laughs> uh, you, you're corrected now, and that's what matters. Oh, my God. <laughs> let's go to the Lower Deckers. There's three individual subplots here. Uh, let's start with Mariner. She meets up with an old friend. Yeah, the, friend. the Fringy yeah. from the Klingon uh, Ambassador yeah, episode. one's always... Like, it's like yeah, episode Quint two, right? Quim, yes. Yeah, he's got the monocle. That's how you know it's him. In case you don't know your Ferengi, I don't know my Ferengi. I can't really tell them <laughs> apart. Well, now you can. The handy, the handy monocle is how you do it. But she's here on on Ferenginar to try and blow off some mm-hmm. steam because she can't figure out why she's upset because everything in her life is going well. She's just upset. So she meets up with Quimp and she immediately gets sloshed. Uh, she orders the Dagger of the Mind drink, which is that original series episode? Yeah, I wonder, is that a reference to the original series, or is it like a reference to the, like, the play? Like, it was Macbeth, right? Which had the the, yeah. fa- the spectral dagger scene, where he's all like, ooh, the knife, if I'm to reach out and grab it, and all that nonsense is terrible. Right. But the question mm-hmm. is, why is it called the Dagger of the Mind? Does it make you, like, hallucinate daggers? Or is it like an implication that it'll be like a dagger to your brain? Or like, oh, if it's a reference to the TOS episode, it probably just makes you forget shit. Yeah, I feel, I mean, it's out, this is a cocktail we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so it's like a roofy cocktail. That makes sense. <laughs> I, that doesn't surprise me that they sell that on Ferenginar one bit. <laughs> yeah, a good drink selection there. And we also learned that Mariner apparently crashed in Oberth at one point. Yeah, I, I'm dying to hear more about that. You know, I don't think it'll ever get talked about again, but I didn't think we would ever learn more about her time on DS9. And yet, lo and behold, we did. So maybe maybe we'll get <laughs> yeah. lucky. Uh, I'm wondering, yeah. is that a, like, a reference to the Pegasus? Or is it... Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's other Oberths out there. Yeah, she wasn't the one who ca- crashed the Pegasus, but that's a famous ship that crashed. <laughs> and she didn't crash the Enterprise. That was Deanna Troy. What other ships have we seen crash? Oh, she also didn't crash the Enterprise, because that was also Deanna Troy. Um, <laughs> to be fair, both of those times, it wasn't Deanna Troy's fault. You know, we, we shouldn't yeah, be so hard true. on she her. She just happened to be having to take over the helm. Yes, in a bad situation. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we'll learn more. Who knows? No, I don't know. Um, I love how she she gets... So where on Ferenginar do you get a a hat with the Ferengi? Whoa, whoa you're skipping the best scene in this oh. entire oh. role here. Okay. So when they order their drinks and the bartender walks away, and when he walked up, he was only carrying the plate of the, like, worms or whatever they are, or the grubs. Oh. Grubs. And he walks away, and then suddenly she has a drink, right? And Quim is all like, where did you get that drink? We only just placed our order. And her response is, do we care? That is the greatest fourth wall break I have ever seen in television history. Like, I, It does seem a bit of fourth wall breakage, yeah. Yeah, like that is the only explanation for that bit. And oh, it's so good. And there's just no response just to it. Manifesting. It just kind of hangs. But I mean, and it's also a great gag about like cartoons in general. And even television show where there's like cuts. 
And then suddenly people yeah. have things in their hands they didn't before. Their, you know, right. uniform is different or they're missing some bit. And it's just like, most right. people aren't going to pick <laughs> up on it. Like, if she hadn't called yeah. attention to having a drink, I would have never thought about the fact that she didn't have a drink before. <laughs> I am one of those yeah. people who takes my entertainment as is. As you can tell by the fact that we analyze a half hour show an hour at a time. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Yeah, pretty good. I had to appreciate that. Yes. You know, Laura Dex has so much attention to detail. Oh my God. But yeah, the, uh, the Ferengi, uh, beer hat. I desperately yeah, where, want one where of those. Is that? Where are they getting that? Yeah. Where did she get that? There's just a place selling it. I love how everything that's happening, like this plot and the Rutherford and Tendy's plot and not so much Boimler's plot, but like, yeah, they really show, cause they say in the cold open that Rom is moving Ferengi, Ferenginar more into a like, customer service business environment because he believes right. it'll be a long-term stable profits right right and that really shows in this episode and i think that's fantastic because in all the previous episodes we've seen ringer seems really hostile and yeah. this one though it seems like it's just a non-stop party it seems like my kind of place absolutely yeah the perfect place yeah. to get the ferengi hat with the alcohol attached to it yeah which means that if you're listening paramount executives <laughs> Ferenginar-themed resort. Make it happen. Oh, dear. No, I think that's a horrible idea. Well, I mean, it won't make any money, but... No. No. It'll be cool for, like, a couple days while it's open. Yeah, yeah, you know. um, Until, you know, they go bankrupt. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of resort, though, they go to a library to party. Not just a library. You know? (laughs) Just a library. It's a public library. Uh, Oh yeah, That's and it's it's a historic public library. <laughs> I love to say no one's read a book in here in what is it like thousands of years. But if you look in some of the scenes, there are books. There are books. Like, lining there's the shelves. Yeah. There's bookshelves all along the walls. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh uh, man, so good. Yeah, I get to some trouble there. <laughs> but uh, my favorite part of this whole subplot is you know, after uh, Mariner gets uh, starts that fight and all that, and she's talking with Quimp. Um, they're at another location, and that's a Dominion War Memorial. But they're not memorializing. Oh my God! Yeah, they're memorializing the lost profits from the war. Oh God, that scene is so fantastic. And it's funny because they never like specifically say that's what it is, but they just like make right. references to it. Like Mariners are like, "Oh, this place is so you know Ferengi. It's not memorializing the dead." And the one guy's all like, right. "Oh." God, all those lost profits! Oh, it's so good. Uh, and then, of course, Quim gets his uh, Ferengi dad moment. Oh, yeah. yeah he kind of just uh, he gets uh, murdered. Well, I don't know if he really gets her to acknowledge what the problem is, but he, he, he kind of goes like the, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yes. And uh, just totally <laughs> like calls her out and yeah. does the whole, you know, gives the dad speech of, you have these problems, but these problems are you. Yes. <sighs> Which brings me to the, the big question. So what is what do you think is going on with Mariner here? What do you do mean? you have a theory? Like, why is she like this? Can she just never be happy? She needs to see Migley more about uh, letting herself be happy. She has had a very specific life and has led her to believing that things are a certain way. And she's being forced to accept that they are not the way she believes them. It is being forced to confront the fact that your worldview is wrong, as so many 
young adults do. But Mariner is not a young adult. She is way too... Actually, that's not true. <laughs> I have we don't known know. people who have this same realization when they are yeah. 50. And those people <laughs> worry me. Interesting. Okay, so you think it's just uh, she's having trouble accepting, you know, changing her worldview to fit the facts. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, she's had a life where there's... Like, she was raised on an ideal. And one of the things I really like about modern Trek is it's not everything is per like you see in early TNG a lot of times it's supposed to be like you know humanity has evolved and therefore everything is perfect in the human sphere whereas in modern yeah. trek it's humanity has evolved and we recognize that things should be better so we work to make them better and i always get the feeling like mariner has this view of everything just should be perfect and she should be able to do whatever she wants to maintain that perfection. It's all like, no, you got to put in the work. You know, interesting. Uh, but I have a theory. Oh my God. And this is the theory back that goes to the meta plot. I think Mariner is going to be the one that rats out the Cerritos to the unnamed menacing ship because, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier um, in each of the other ships, someone is ratting out the ship. And I think something's you know going on with the Mariner. Maybe she's getting Stavros, manipulated. Stavros, I was about to say, my God, you are the biggest idiot I've ever met. Why are you so dumb? You're a goddamn moron. That is the stupidest <laughs> theory I've ever heard. But wait a minute. Uh -huh. That okay. might actually work. I love the idea of that as like a character regression moment for Mariner, where she's like, she, you know, gets in contact with this thing. And she has this moment where... She tries to sell someone and they don't respond the way she expects them to. And then suddenly she decides to take matters into her own hand. And she contacts the thing with the location of the Cerritos. Yeah. I could see that, that could working. Be. I don't know if it's if she's going to do it consciously. I feel like maybe she's getting manipulated. So I'm I hope not totally not. sure on that, but I, she's I involved, not. I think. I like the idea of the thing being like preying upon dissatisfied people within a society. And actually, you know what? That could be a great like Xanatos Gambit moment where throughout the entire episode, just like we had last season, where everybody thought that Mariner had betrayed the crew and it turned out that she broke the rules, but she did it in support of the crew. And this right. could be great where like the entire episode, we think that's what's happening. And then at the end, it turns out that the crew is all in on it. That would be a great subversion. Of course, the internet would be all like, that's lazy writing. Oh, that's not good character development. That's just, <laughs> oh, you just say one thing and do another. Yeah. And then, you know, we take their jugs away because they're goddamn rednecks and say, how'd you get the internet? <laughs> I can't say anything. Uh, either way, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mariner. Like, they're obviously going somewhere with this. So I think I think before, you know, the... Can I just take like, a step the back there? You just said yeah. they're obviously going somewhere with this. So, like, yes. do you think there's people out there that are like, I don't think they're going anywhere with this. Where every episode, <laughs> there's, there's like a teaser of something major happening. And it just never gets resolved. Like... The end of the season, nothing happens. Next season, they start up. Nobody talks about it again. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, about this show is they we've just we've talked about it with with Boimler and to an extent Mariner. Like they have like their Mariner is like the loose cannon character that 
is dissatisfied. So I think it, the people could fall into the thinking of like, you know, hey, it's just Mariner. She just can't get used to can't get used to the, uh, you know, getting along with everybody. Or, you know, Boimler, he's always going to be the goofy guy that screams all the time. What if it's Whatever to it is, but... Oh, that's why she wasn't in this episode? No, not that's why she wasn't in this episode. But what if she's the one who did it? She's dissatisfied with her situation in life. Uh, the thing that's doing this be. is some sort of AI entity that is, like, ultra-logical. So it reaches out to her, and it convinces her. Oh, it could be. Yeah. That's what she was doing during when the, during the Frankenar. You know, she was out selling out the Cerritos. Is that what she yeah. was doing? Yeah, I think you're just desperate to like find some reason to dislike to learn. Yeah, you know, I've been liking her too much this season, and now I feel like I'm turning into those weird Talin fanboys. I'm gonna start wearing the <laughs> I Heart Talin T-shirt yeah. and getting the bowl cut and going to conventions. Gonna go to a convention dressed as Talin? No, I'm gonna go to the uh, I Heart Talin convention. Oh, that's what you're saying. Oh, there's a Talin convention just for Talin. Yeah, I mean, you're hosting it though. No, this. You know what, Stavros? You're taking us down a dark path here. <laughs> there's more plot to explore. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot more. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Boimler plot. Um, of course, he gets tasked with evaluating several locations on Ferenginar, but. Um, I love when uh, Ransom gives him this assignment. He's like, okay, I'm going to pack my schedule so full that you'll do everything and enjoy nothing. This is this is a plot that hits close to my own heart. This is me on every vacation. I, <laughs> I'm going to do all these amazing things. And then it's all like, oh, I'm going to go into this place. And I spend five hours just hanging out in some random pub. Yeah, that's me <laughs> on every vacation. I feel for Boimler. Hey, nothing wrong with that. No. You need, you need to learn that you can enjoy things differently. You know what? And Ransom would be proud of me. So I that's totally all I want. Agree. Yeah. Uh, you need Ransom's approval. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he goes, is this a commercial? And it reminded <laughs> me of Mariner when in the Hollow program. She goes, are we in a bonk? You remember that? When they're chasing Shax and Ta'ana in the, uh, in the holodeck? No. Because they robbed the bank. Oh my god, uh, you're killing me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that moment where he's like, Oh, oh my so god. They're both like yes. economics related terms. Yeah, and that's a great gag because they're both, you know, things <laughs> at the Federation. But here's the thing. We know that banks are still like a big part of society. That just kind of makes them look really yeah. uninformed because like the bank of bolius <laughs> is a thing, right? <clears throat> that's true. They have accounts because in TNG, when they wanted to do commerce with, you know, other cultures, they're just like, yeah, just charge it to the the enterprise. It's fine. Right. Uh, But this whole thing where he gets stuck watching the trash TV is pretty funny. You notice he was eating a a bag of Sluggo chips. Oh, my God. Yes. Amazing. Which makes sense. You know, you you (laughs) want to get the whole snack and soda uh, enterprise going. You got to corner that market. But I love the fact that when he first sees the commercial, it's like, oh, it's commercials. And then later they go into the episode and the one guy's all like, just give me one second. I got to drink this refreshing Sluggo Cola. And Boimler's all like, they put commercials in the show? That's like mind control. And then in the background (laughs) is the Paramount logo, which has been on the wall the entire (laughs) time. And the stars just twinkle. Oh, so good. <laughs> I love that. I love how we're, I, I love how that's like such a like common 
like jab, you know, that like entertainment makes now is they make fun of the studio. And it's just, it's so <laughs> transparent and it's so, <laughs> oh my God, it's such a soulless comedy bit. And yet I still find it yeah. hilarious. So maybe, you know, I'm the person who needs a commentary on him. <sighs> Indeed. I love that. That, that whole, uh, I mean, the Boimler part is short but sweet, I thought. I loved the the Landlord Cops TV drama. That was all great. Oh, my God. That, that whole stuff was Yeah, cop, cop show but with landlords. <laughs> and I love to go after the guy for the 25-pound pet. I know. Uh, and, you know, that's so Ferenginar, <laughs> People die too. because of the 25-pound pet. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, Ferenginar has to have some sort of, like, paramilitary or security forces. There's no way, like... They got to. I mean, there's marauders out there, or there were back in the day for Ferengi. You know that there's going to be those people in on Ferenginar, like, oh, Ferengi, you know, force foreigners to give me money. Why can't I force Ferengi? But I guess that's what the, uh, what do they call that? The, uh, what's the name of the government on Franginar? I don't even remember. But they have a government. FCA? Well, they have the FCA, but there's like. That's an arm. Yeah, it's an arm of the government. Yeah, they had a name. I don't remember what it, it is. Works. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the last plot. That's the Tenderford plot. I'm excited about this one. We're going to talk more oh, about what it, what it all means at the end. But I love that Ransom. <laughs> describes the Cerritos as the horniest and least romantically committed crew in Starfleet with nobody that's married aboard. <laughs> so that must mean there are no married couples on board, right? Like I, yeah, I was thinking of Captain Freeman. Freeman's but, married, but her husband isn't on yeah. board. You know what really got yeah. me about that though is like, how do you even like quantify horniest, right? <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. Is it just like, hey man, they've got, they've got transporter logs where they, I'm sure they log all your, no hormone levels do you so. think that's what it is it's hormone levels and it's not like rates of because uh, like you gotta think these crews in like you know the future that don't have as many hang-ups as we do now they're probably you know hooking up all the time do they like log the number of times crew members hook up do the internal sensors <laughs> like keep track of that oh man this is like uh, a huge invasion know. of privacy yeah, oh, man. Maybe Miglimo is like they have to make an assessment. You know. Yeah, I know. How horny is your crew? All like, the counselors like have to fill out a form. If yeah, if like there was there was sensors watching me having sex and I wasn't getting paid for it, I would be upset. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Great. Terrible. <laughs> I love how the the decision of sending it was between Rutherford and Tendy or Nurse Westlake and Onus, like the bartender and the <laughs> nurse. <laughs> Like that's the situation Ransom was in. Have we seen those two <laughs> together before? I feel like no, we have. I don't think so. No. They both have had speaking lines, very short speaking lines, but speaking oh, lines nonetheless. Man. Okay. It's pretty great. Oh, gosh. Well, of course, they go down and uh, their hijinks ensue as they have to fake their way as the, uh, the married couple. Gosh, there's just so much great stuff that happens here. How does the love and marriage discount package make sense? Because, like, Ferengi marriages are, like, they're business arrangements, right? They're business arrangements. Maybe this is, like, a new Maybe establishment. Some... Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. the new, like, this is the liberal establishment on Ferenginar or something. But, you know, <laughs> we saw naked women on Ferenginar. No, to be fair, yes. though, if, if society had said, hey, all men must be naked, and then a law came about, they're like, hey, men can wear clothes now. I think I'd be like, nah, I'm good. I'd like, keep it breezy. <laughs> yeah. That, that seems like you. I'll just get a rain slicker. 
<laughs> That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> uh, uh, I love that when they go to the one of the locations, the Quarks Federation Experience. You know, this is going to harken back and perhaps show our age, but you know, you may recall the Star Trek Experience in Las Vegas back when it was still around. This was the like this is the Star Trek experience except the Ferengi version. I like how all the Ferengi are wearing the original series uniforms, and they even have like the starships hanging overhead. They're, like they're they not even back in the day. yeah, but they're not even wearing the TOS uniforms. Like when the security guys come back, come the out, they're guys, TNG. Yeah. Like yeah, I, I, the only thing I don't think they're we really saw is more modern uniforms. It's all TOS yeah. and TNG. That's, yeah, you know. Yeah, probably could only get the discontinued uniforms. <laughs> I had to go buy the uh, Federation probably. or Starfleet surplus. <laughs> but here's the thing: when when they go there, like when when they have the like wide shot, there's the like banner, and it's the Federation Bar and Grill. But then right. Rutherford calls it the Starfleet Bar and Grill, but the sign oh. clearly says Federation Bar and Grill, Federation. and I. What's going on here? I mean, like, this kind of slip-up, man, it just can't stand. McMahon needs to up his game, and they need to get this stuff sorted. Who wrote this episode? Yeah, this is just ruining my immersion. (laughs) Oh, no. See, now I have to find out who wrote this episode. Oh, my God. Don't. You can give him a hard time. He'll never come on the show. I don't think anyone's going to come on the show. We talk a lot of trash here. Cullen, Cullen Crawford. I don't even want to come on this show. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, What a minor thing. (laughs) What a minor thing. Oh, God. God. Yeah, I love the, in that uh, setting, uh, there's a Ferengi wearing a Klingon headdress, which just seems confusing because, you know, as we know, actors on live action wear the Ferengi headdress. It's like a prosthetic. It's like some guy. Yeah, he's wearing a prosthetic on the prosthetic. But I mean, in the in the the context of the show, the Frankie aren't wearing prosthetics. That's just their heads. But right. of course, yeah, it's still is just like kind of an outside the show. Yeah, so. utterly ridiculous. And then, of course, uh, Miggly Mo comes in just at the right moment to rescue Rutherford and Tendi as they're getting put on the spot to consummate their marriage in a not very private shuttlecraft. I love so. how he has no idea what's going on there. The one redeeming Miglimo scene this whole show <laughs> is when he comes in to rescue them. Oh my God. It's not even rescue. like redeeming because like he's just confused the entire time. And then he's all <laughs> like, oh, you guys do love me. And it's all like, oh no. Oh no. But he does have some great lines in this one. Is this when he gets the home wrecker package? And he takes it. <laughs> like, would you like? I love the fact that they have a home wrecker package. Can we just talk about how great that is? Oh my god. And then when they get over to him, he's all like, you don't have to vomit in my mouth twice. Which on the one hand... Didn't they just, didn't they just have a regurgitation joke? Like, Yeah, in the last episode. Or, yeah, was, wait, what was the last yeah. episode? That was the, that was the... The Betazoid. Betazoid one. one. Yeah, and it gives yeah. him the, the soup that doesn't taste regurgitated. <laughs> right. But I love, it's so gross, but at the same time, that's gonna be like a common saying. In their language, you don't have vomit in my mouth twice. Like, but the whole thing is, <laughs> does that make vomiting in your mouth is like a form of coercion? That doesn't make any sense. I don't oh, know. God, that's so weird. <laughs> Such a great line, though. Like, who comes up with that sort of thing? <laughs> hey, good job. Good job, Colin. You redeemed yourself already by the vomit line. Quiet, you. <laughs> I, 
Also, though, it also gets the uh, explanation of why Miglimo's people invented space travel. To seek out strange new meals. Oh, God. Yeah. Now I want the Miglimo voiceover <laughs> to the TNG credits. What okay. do you think they would name their ship? It's like various, like, yeah, like dishes what's or like bird. Oh, would it be dish or bird themed? Oh, bird themed. I like the bird themed one. Be called like USS Vomit Seeker or something. Vomit Seeker, I love it. These are the voyages of the USS. Or actually, no. What is the name of their species? Do we ever learn the name of their species? I don't know. Okay, well, we're going to call it the ASS because they're avians, so it's the avian starship. These are the voyages <laughs> of the ASS Vomit Seeker. It's continuing the mission <laughs> to seek out strange new life and strange new meals. I don't think they'd boldly go, Memory though. says unnamed species. I think they'd be, like, meekly going to, you know, cowardly going to cringingly go, awkwardly go into the unknown. <laughs> that works. So here's my question. Here's the big thing about this plot. I want to know what you think. Does this plot validate Tenderford or does it invalidate Tenderford? Do you really not know what I think? I think you probably have the wrong opinion, but... We'll talk about that, you know, in a second. But I mean, as I was watching this episode, they're like, you know, getting like the awkward, you know, like, haha, you know, it's starting to get a little awkward now. And I was thinking to myself, shit, they're gonna, they're gonna screw this up. I'm not a big fan of this. Like, what? we can't just end this in like a way that makes them, you know, end end up emphasizing Tenderford. No bullshit. The entire episode, you were all hands and face giggling going it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen oh boy yes. oh, no. that <laughs> was you excited. the entire episode yeah. It, yeah it's true i was very excited but I, I, it was it was one of those things where you're so excited you're like don't f this up no. colin you know yeah. <laughs> nope i think this just shows that they just want to be friends no i think you're wrong as i as i thought because while they do have the like, oh, you know, let's just be friends. They they have legitimate compliments, like romantic compliments for each other. They pass the Ferengi chair truth test. No, no, no. But we didn't see we didn't see any romantic compliments. Is all we saw was compliments. You know, <laughs> you can have a friend of any persuasion and be like, you have fabulous hair. You look stunning in that outfit. You. Something or other, I don't know. I need somebody in front. They of had me like the little, the little like a uh, cute little like. Oh, you're like your eyes that brings out like the niceness in your eyes or something like that. Yeah, he has the whole uh, uh, yeah, the beautiful green eyes thing, and then yeah. it's like, uh-huh. oh, he could only be talking about Tendi. Yeah, and then of course at the ending where they crawl into the crawl space and they're right on top of each other, and Tendi goes, ah, this feels right. I'm like, at the end, I was like, yes. I I'm love validated. I love that, that scene thing. is like just a total misdirection because it's it's the feet sticking out of the tube <laughs> in a very suggestive way, but a hundred percent platonic. No, I I I've standing by the Tenderford forever. It's this this episode I was nervous at first, but I'm sticking by Tenderford forever. I don't know. I think you're full of it. <laughs> well, I think we've we've talked about everything i mean there's so many i think we missed a couple of things though oh did we ever talk about uncle quark's youth casino and the disturbing implications thereof (laughs) yeah we did see that sign we kind of skipped over it i mean it's a casino for kids 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all. You got little like Ferengi school children in there. Oh yeah. hundred percent. It's like an arcade only, you know, you, you gamble (laughs) rather than, you know, put quarters into a machine. That's what you know is either (laughs) worse. Well, I mean, you don't know. I mean, I guess, no, I don't know. That's a good point. Jesus, man. My youth (laughs) is starting to have a very different pallor to it now. We're going down another dark path in Aaron's past. Anyways, moving on. We did forget <laughs> to talk about one thing. Did like the Admiral oh. go into his meeting just like completely unprepared? Because like when Lena's all like, oh, he's not very good with numbers. Rom is an engineer. He should be like the most famous engineer in all of Starfleet. Literally. I mean, like without him, the Dominion War would have been lost, right? Yep. You do not be that good of an engineer and not get numbers. Like, it's one thing if she had said, he's not really into economics. That would make sense. I'd be like, oh, yeah, he's an engineer. It's completely different than economics. But, no, she says numbers. And that should have been a red flag. And, you know, maybe Mm. it was. Maybe it was for Freeman. Maybe she was paying attention and... I feel like Freeman was just paying paying attention to the right things and Vassery was just like, lol, this should be easy. And just, I mean... Let's be. Let's face it. This was just an application agreement. Didn't even take it seriously. Just kind of showed up. Yeah, expecting them yeah, to sign just, and be done. He thought it was going to be easy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's just a shitty admiral. Yeah, that's it. He's just a shitty admiral. A hundred percent. He's not a bad admiral, but he's just he's just shitty. So if if a bad admiral is a bad admiral, what's a shitty admiral? A shamiral? Shadmiral. 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 I like shadmiral. Shadmiral. Yeah, we'll go with that. Shadmiral. Yeah. Admiral. That's terrible. Admiral Vassery. <sighs> Is there anything else here? What do you think about this episode compared to the last couple? You know, I thought it was pretty good. I don't think it's the strongest of the season so far, but I had a lot of fun watching it. Had a lot of really great scenes. I loved the Boimler getting dragged out of his room. You know, just <laughs> the great. sheer level of background detail going on was great. Uh, we got the return of the lower deckers and the ship getting consumed. Ferengi television was great. Yeah, Tendi and Rutherford's storyline was pretty good and had a lot of really good laughable moments, but it definitely wasn't the strongest. It's definitely mm-hmm. relying too much on the will they, won't they aspect. Mariner's story was fantastic, but a lot of it's just, you know, gag after gag after gag. So... Yeah, it's interesting because they had, like we have been saying, several little subplots going on here. So, I don't know, they they have only done this a couple times where they have, like, several different... It's not just A-B plot, it's all these little ones. Yeah, and I, haven't they done that, like, this season? Like, half the episodes have been like that almost? Yeah, some of them have been, yeah. For yeah, sure. it feels like they're doing it a lot more now. Just, yeah. you know, though, didn't they at one point in one of the previous seasons say they wanted to explore more, like pairings and more like story like yes layouts yeah, yeah they're certainly doing that here yeah seems it's like good. It. I, I enjoyed this more than uh than the than the last one for sure the the betazoid episodes i'm not sure if it was just i think it was just fun the fun location we got to see new stuff we got cool guest stars um the characters are getting put into fun situations yeah good time i enjoyed, I, I enjoyed it but you know i mean i enjoy a lot of things because i am easy to please <laughs> just like your Slugacola. Apparently. Uh, apparently. Which, you know, at some point I'm going to have to go pray to the porcelain god because mixing this much sugar and alcohol is never a good idea. 
<laughs> so on that note, <laughs> you can, have an appointment. So yeah, you can catch us next week for episode seven of season four. And in the meantime, you it's can episode seven next time. That's what yeah, I said. Episode right seven. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate your support. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> But if you can't wait that long, you can uh, find us on X at Lower Dorks. Or if you're so inclined and wish to watch some questionable quality television in the dark, you can find... Gotta be in the dark. A man sitting alone in his underwear with bloodshot eyes waiting to be dragged out of his hotel. That's you, right? I'm not the one that's susceptible to product placement and television, Stavros. But anyways, I'm going to finish my Slogo Cola. <laughs>